everybody. Welcome back to another episode of ATP, Ask the Pastor. I'm Pastor Sullivan at Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Kerrville, Texas. Today's question, Dear Reverend Sullivan, is the apostolic decree in Acts chapter 15 still valid and binding in all its details today? What about eating meat with blood in it and why? And how has this been viewed throughout church history? So in Acts chapter 15, the apostles and presbyters gathered in Jerusalem to address the question of whether or not uh, it was necessary for Gentiles to convert uh, to Judaism in order to be saved, uh, in order for them specifically to be circumcised. Certain men from Judea had arrived in Antioch, where Paul and Barnabas were, and they were teaching according to Acts 15.1, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Then in Jerusalem, some believing Pharisees were saying, according to Acts 15.5, it is necessary to circumcise them, the Gentiles, and to command them to keep the law of Moses. So at this Jerusalem council then, uh, Peter, Paul, and Barnabas, they all attest to the fact that God gave the Holy Spirit to the Gentiles uh, through the preaching of the gospel, through the word. And Peter says in Acts 15 verse 9, that God made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. They all agreed then that it would be a testing of God to put the yoke of the law on the Gentiles, since they're justified in the same way that the Jews are, namely by faith in Christ. So that's kind of the doctrinal decision of the council. But then James says in Acts 15, 19 to 21, Therefore I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city being read in the synagogues in every Sabbath. So James agrees. He thinks it's wise um, that they not have the Mosaic law uh, laid upon them as a burden, but he simultaneously thinks it's wise that the Gentile converts to Christianity abstain from those four things, food sacrifice to idols, sexual immorality of any kind, eating animals that have been strangled, and blood. And all of these then come from the law of Moses. So, for instance, Exodus 34, 15, the Lord said that Israel was not to make sacrifices to false gods or to eat of those sacrifices, because that's what you do with a sacrifice. You eat it. A sexual immorality of every kind is condemned in the Sixth Commandment's prohibition against adultery. Uh, the Lord also then commanded Israel in Leviticus 7:14, You shall not eat the blood of any flesh, for the life of all flesh is in the blood, Whoever eats it shall be cut off. Now, that prohibition against eating anything with the blood in it also applies to animals that have been strangled because they wouldn't have been properly bled out. It would still have the blood in it. Now, before we can answer any applicability questions as far as, you know, does this council's decree, if we want to call it that, uh, is it still binding on Christians today? The first thing we need to understand is why James wanted the Gentile Christians to abstain from these four things, even though he agreed with Peter, Paul, Barnabas, and the rest that the burden of the law shouldn't be laid upon the Gentiles. And so right off the bat, we have to say that James's purpose is not to put the Gentiles back under Mosaic law. That would directly contradict the testimonies of Peter and Paul and Barnabas and others at the council. But what's interesting is Peter, Paul, and Barnabas, they don't see these four prohibitions as putting the yoke of the law on the Gentiles. 
In fact, the letter that they are to deliver to the Gentile churches begins like this in Acts 15, 28, for it seemed good to us, or to the Holy Spirit and to us, to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. So the primary issue that the council dealt with then is whether or not Gentiles must be circumcised and keep the entirety of Mosaic law. The apostles and presbyters answered that question with a unanimous no. But the secondary issue was incorporating the Gentiles into the church without causing great offense to their Jewish fellow believers. Luther summarizes this really well. He writes, The law of Moses was, so to say, ingrained, uh, born into, suckled into, worked into, and lived into the Jews from their youth, so that it had become almost a part of their nature. As St. Paul says in Galatians 2.15, we are Jews by birth. That is, we are born Mosaic. He's here speaking of the law, not merely of, and not merely birth. This is why they could not tolerate the nature of the Gentiles or be equated with them when they were dispersed among the Gentiles in other lands and saw Gentiles eat blood, strangled meat, and meat sacrificed to idols, and still boast that they were God's people or Christians. This moved James to guard against such offense, so that the Gentiles did not abuse their freedom too willfully just to spite the Jews, but acted decently, so that the Jews, rooted so deeply in the law, would not be offended and spurn the gospel. James' concern was to protect the consciences of the Jewish Christians, uh, and, and really to any, Jew, to any Jews that were hearing the gospel. You know, having grown up Mosaic, they would be easily offended at the sight of Gentiles eating meat sacrificed to idols, or meat with the blood still in it. You know, St. Paul addresses this very topic in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. You know, he says, idols aren't real, uh, there's only one God, and so eating the food sold in the marketplace that had been sacrificed to an idol... It's an indifferent thing. It's fine for Christians. But he writes in 1 Corinthians 8, 9, Beware lest somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. So it would be sinful for the Gentile converts to flaunt their freedom from the law in front of their Jewish brethren, um, Jewish fellow believers, and really any Jews at this point, uh, since the gospel is still being vigorously preached among them. So even though the Jews were equally free from the law, it would be difficult for them to abandon it just all of a sudden. Now, Luther says something very similar in his Galatians lectures about how the Jews would retain circumcision. He writes, for a time, not as something necessary for righteousness, but as an act of reverence toward their fathers and a concession of charity toward the weak, lest they be offended before they matured in their faith. The point of James's prohibitions that he wants to add here isn't to put the Gentiles back under the law, um, but it's to remind the Gentiles to serve their Jewish brethren in love, to approach them and uh, their, use their Christian freedom from the law in a way that does not become a stumbling block to the others. And of all of these then, uh, these four decrees here, uh, the four parts of it, the only part of it, the council which endures to this day, uh, is the command to abstain from sexual immorality because that is rooted in the moral law, uh, not mosaic ceremonial law like the others. Um, so that's applicable to all people at all times. The Gentiles, however, though, uh, with regarding sexual immorality, uh, they needed a, a, a special admonition. You know, Luther writes this, fornication was regarded by the Gentiles as light, indeed as no sin at all, as one can read in the Gentiles' books. 
Thus, among the Gentiles, fornication was as great a sin as eating blood sausage, rabbits cooked in blood, blood jellies, or meat sacrificed to idols. This is why James wants to teach the Gentiles that they should gladly abstain from fornication without being forced, by author uh, forced to be by authorities and live purely and chastely in the state of marriage as the Jews did, who were greatly offended by such license and fornication and who could not believe because of this disparity in food and conduct, etc., that these Gentiles should obtain God's grace and become God's people. Other than the command to abstain from sexual immorality, then, why doesn't the church follow the commands about eating food with the blood still in it? Well, it's not, as the papists claim, that the church has changed the decree uh, or abrogated it, that the church has no authority to abrogate Scripture. The reason that those other, those three aren't followed uh, are because that decree, or the cause for the decree, I should say, was soon removed after it was given. You know, the Jews didn't remain weaker brethren, uh, but they rejected the gospel outright. And then they tried to lead Christians away from faith in Christ alone to reliance upon works of the law for righteousness and salvation. So whenever indifferent things like circumcision or dietary laws and other parts of ceremonial law were urged as necessary by the Jews, then St. Paul refused to yield to those people for even a moment so that the truth of the gospel might continue. You know, that's why, although the Holy Spirit and the apostles promulgated this decree, uh, it's no longer in force. The reason for it no longer exists. But the decree does still teach us that there are times, for the sake of those who are weak in faith, that we deal with them in Christian love until they come to the maturity of the faith and embrace the freedom for which Christ has set us free. Thanks for watching. We'll catch you next time on another episode of ATP. Ask the pastor. Okay, that one's good.